Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host Aaron Mashvitz, aka Jackson Stone, and I am joined by an absolutely fantastic guest today. I'm excited for this conversation. Lauren Johnson, welcome to the show. Ah, uh, thank you so much for having me. And just to off the top, because I'm sure people are going to listen to this that follow you. I know the name thing is a bit weird, so I'll just cover that right away. My actual name is Aaron Mashvitz. I used to be a professional wrestler named Jackson Stone. And so I created this podcast, Jackson Talks Everybody, when I was actively wrestling. And now that I'm, well, this is episode 114. So I'm 114 episodes in. I don't really, I haven't figured out a strategy on the name change yet. So we're just going to go with it. Um, and use both names as we go. But thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited for this conversation. Ah, same, same, same. Before we kind of get into like the the meat and bones of your expertise, I have a very important question to ask you. It's kind of the the theme of this podcast. I'm sure you've maybe been asked it already today, but this question kind of gets thrown around as a version of like, hello. Um, and so on this pod, I like to create a space for it to be answered openly and honestly. So Lauren, how are you doing? Like, really, like, how are you actually doing? First of all, I love that. I've never had anybody uh, open a podcast that way before. So I'm a big, big fan of that question. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm doing really well today. Um, for people that are listening that, you know, may not know me, um, I am currently 36 and a half weeks pregnant. And I am a couple weeks out from giving birth. And so uh, there's been good days, bad days and everywhere in between. It's a little uncomfortable at this stage. However, um, today has been a good day. I got really good sleep last night, uh, which has been few and far between these last few weeks. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's, Thank that's you. beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. My husband and I are pretty excited. This is our, this is our first, um, being pregnant. Have you just been in, still in full swing with, with running your business and being an entrepreneur and coaching people? Yes. Uh, I've slowed down a little bit, uh, which my husband is very happy about. Um, I, I have to say that when I started pregnancy, I knew that the biggest challenge for me was going to be to slow down. I, uh, I work at a, a fast pace and I, I love, I love the work that I do. So to me, it's not, it's not necessarily work all the time. Although there's parts of it that feel that way. For the most part, I just, I really enjoy what I do. So for me, it's hard to slow down. So I have put a couple boundaries in place, I've learned to delegate along the way, which is not my, uh, not a natural born skill for me. So uh, it, it's been, it's been really good. But, uh, but having said that, I foresee myself at least working with my one-on-one -on -one clients and my retainer clients up until um, I deliver. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, that advice, slow down. Um, I'm wondering if you've ever given that advice to one of your clients and I, I have trouble like taking my own advice sometimes. Do you find that to be true for yourself or how was that? How was that journey for you? Oh yeah. Oh, I had somebody say this to me. They said, Lauren, uh, well, you, you shouldn't have an issue with that. You're a mental performance coach. You teach this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's the hardest to implement on your own. And which is why I invest a lot of money in my own coaches. We all have blind spots and it's so much easier to point it out in others than it is ourselves. It's so much easier to give advice to somebody else than we do ourselves. We oftentimes, you know, we'll put ourselves, um, you know, lower on the totem pole than we put others. And it's, it's definitely a, a habit of mine and a pattern of mine that has become I've become very, I'm very aware of over the years, but really aware of, you know, during my time in pregnant, like being pregnant, my husband, I, I will never forget this. And this is, you know, getting a little personal here, but he did uh, one day he stopped me and he said, Lauren, um, it's not just your body anymore. And he said, I would like you to slow down. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it would like, it kind of hit me and I was like, you're right. Like, it's not just about me. And, uh, it, it, it's been a really good lesson for me to learn, but, uh, having said that it's not always easy to take your own advice. And I think the important part about doing the work yourself is that you can really put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're coaching as well. And so while I have given this advice before, I think it also gives me another perspective, you know, when I have to exercise it for me. Uh, to be able to relate to, you know, my clients on an even deeper level. 
Speaking of mental performance coaching, as that's you're the expert in that area, um, it's also a subject I'm, I'm deeply interested in. As I coach baseball, I played sports for a really long time. Uh, and I just, I think um, I'm really deeply involved in mental health as I run a nonprofit and then also in the sports side with, with what I said, coaching baseball. And so I'm asking you, maybe this is a hard question, but it's, um, but like when you're, when you're building something amazing, right. You want to start with a foundation, right? If you don't have a great foundation, the, the whole thing is going to fall apart. So in, in your opinion, is there some mental toughness foundational tools that people should start with, or where do you start with? I know that's like a client by client basis. So it's kind of more general knowledge here, but, but, um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and you are totally speaking my language. Um, I always like to describe mental performance from a foundational perspective because mindset is not everything, but it impacts everything. That's really important to know. I will never forget. I was actually um, in a locker room with a bunch of coaches and staff and everybody had different roles. We had, you know, a pitching coordinator. We had a catching coordinator. We had our hitting coaches. We had, um, you know, our stats guys. We had all these people in a room. And somebody came up to me and said, Lauren, gosh, like mindset is everything. And I sat for a second and I was like, it, the reason why it's not is because I can have a good mindset, but there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball down the middle. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to notice that our own unique abilities and ourselves as people play a big role in how we show up. And the mental performance side is like the foundation. And I tell everybody that I'm not interested in building two story buildings. I'm just not, I'm interested in building skyscrapers. Mm. And so think about how, how deep you have to dig to build a foundation that can withhold that type of weight, that type of structure. And I think it really starts with this degree of awareness. You can't change anything if you don't have awareness of it. And so a lot of us, we go through life and we go, we, we aren't even aware of some of the habits of some of the choices of some of the things that we're doing and how it actually impacts who we become over time. Why? Because rarely do habits or decisions have immediate consequences, have immediate outcomes. So if you want to have that bowl of ice cream right now, that's not going to like, you're not going to wake up tomorrow being super overweight. But if you do that every single day for a couple of months, you're going to notice changes. Same with just wake, just hitting snooze. Same with making a decision that's not in line with your, in alignment with your goals. And I'll give you a really good, clear example of this. Uh, James Clear actually tells the story in his book, Atomic Habits. Great book, if anybody's looking for one. He says, if a plane were to take off in, from LAX with the goal of landing in New York City, but it adjusts the nose of the plane just three degrees after it takes off. At the very beginning, it's only, you know, maybe a couple feet of a difference. It's very, hardly noticeable. But when you multiply it across the length of the United States, you end up landing in Washington, D.C. And so many of us make decisions on a daily basis. We make choices on a daily basis, and we are not paying attention to the trajectory. We're paying attention to the immediacy. And so when I think about mental performance, when I think about awareness, awareness is one of those foundational tools because you're not going to change anything if you aren't aware of its impacts. Mm. Yeah, you have to you have to first recognize that something is, you know, missing, right? I think like, you have to be super honest with where you're at, right? Super honest. You talked about hitting a 90 mile an hour fastball. I've done that in my life. It's very hard. If I didn't have the talent, or I didn't acquire the talent over a long period of time, my mindset doesn't really matter. Correct. So that's why we have to be honest with where we're at, where our inadequacies are, where our strengths lie, where our weaknesses lie. And that all wraps up in awareness. And then we have to actually go into action, which I'm sure you're, you were going to go into next or at some point during this conversation. But yeah, you have to recognize what's going on and then, and then figure out where to go from there, make a roadmap or use a coach or whatever the case may be. Yes, absolutely. It's so important because uh, you know, the people that win biggest with me in terms of clientele 
is number one, they're honest. Mm. They're willing to look in the mirror and be honest, no matter if it hurts or if they're embarrassed by it, they're, they're willing to be honest without that. I mean, there's, that creates such a bottleneck in the work that I do. Number two, they, and this is actually one of my favorite quotes, quotes by one of my good friends, Justin Sue. He says, you're never too good to get better. He's amazing. I also follow him. Isn't he the best? I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he was actually my first mentor. Great, That's a, great. He seems like an incredible mentor. He's he is, he is. And, uh, so they, a lot of my clients, they, they have to understand that they're, they're not a finished, they're never a finished product. It doesn't mean we don't celebrate our wins. It doesn't mean that we don't, uh, we don't recognize where our strengths are, especially along the way, but we have to understand that we're constantly evolving. We're always under construction. Mm. And number three is they are willing to do what is required to get the outcome that they want. You know, I always ask when people come to me and they say, this is what I want. The question I always ask them afterwards is, are you willing to live the lifestyle required to achieve it? Some yeah. people aren't, and that's totally okay. But before you start a goal, before you go on this journey, you first have to accept what comes with it, what will be required. And if you're not for that, if you're not for getting up at 5 a.m., if you're not for being consistent, if you're not for having to sacrifice the things that you want now for things that you want later, then maybe you have to readjust and that's okay. But those are the three things that when clients come to me, I have to make sure that they are in alignment with those three things because those are the people that win the biggest. Yeah. Like you hear all the time, like people want to be like LeBron James, for example. Well, do you know what he does every day or what he has been doing every day since he was like 14 when he was on the cover of ESPN, the magazine? Like that's the price. Are you willing to pay it? And if not, like you said, that's, totally fine right you can be uh elite in something else and in some or the other domain or you can live a joyous fulfilled meaningful purposeful life not being or not striving to be the best in the world at something striving to be the best in the world at something is incredibly hard because you're the best in the world at something and that's unbelievable and i think uh people misconstrue that idea when they're thinking about these people that they see it via the television or uh, on Twitter who run these fortune 500 companies or anything that seems impossible that people have actually done. So that's, yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Uh, I agree. You know, everybody wants the benefits of being great. Few want the responsibilities of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to check with them. I love when people come to me with these big goals and these big aspirations. I'm like, awesome, sweet. But I have to make sure and check in with them. Do you know what's going to be required of that? Yeah, because because if you come to me halfway through and you're like, I, I can't do this, which is totally fine. And it, trust me, it's happened before. And and our our desires and our wishes and our whys and all that kind of kind of thing that can evolve over time. But I always like to make sure and do this like gut check before we really dive in so that we have an idea, because this is why, you know, if you've ever made a New Year's resolution and failed. Um, this is what happens a lot of the times is we consider what we want. We don't consider what could get in the way. We don't consider what obstacles we might face or what adversities might come up, both from an external and internal perspective. You know, there's always things outside of our control that could happen, but what about your internal things? What about like your self-doubt, your self-talk, fears, all those things that end up controlling the decisions we make on a day-to-day -day basis? It's like those kinds of things I also want to tune into. Like, do we understand that you're going to have to overcome some of these things, that you're going to have to overcome some of those fears if that's what you want. You're going to have to develop a new relationship with that thing that you've been scared of. And if we're willing to do that work, let's go. Like I'm alongside. Yeah. Ready to just get in the trenches and get after it a little bit. Right. But with, with the point of, of, you know, trying to be the best in the world, I think uh, an important takeaway here is that everyone can benefit from having these foundational tools on mental toughness, because if you want to relate it to mental health, that's fine. Uh, but basically everyone is going to go through setbacks, struggles, heartbreak, failure, rejection, uh, we have insecurities, fears. And so having this base level foundational aspect of mental toughness, mindset skills, uh, mental health toolkit, whatever you want to call it is extremely important because then 
when the thing that comes into our life is unpredictable or overwhelming or uncontrollable, we have something to fall back on. We have some sort of skills that we can, we can go to, we can pick out and be like, this works best for this moment or some previous experience or something that some internal work that we've done that allows us to handle the situation better. So basically saying, regardless of what you're striving towards, having a base foundation of these mental skills uh, is extremely valuable. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I always say mental toughness doesn't make you invincible. It makes you adaptable. And when it comes to, it doesn't matter if you're a, if you're a stay at home mom, if you, you know, if you work at Starbucks, like I did before, if you're, if you're LeBron James, like it doesn't matter. You don't have to want to be the best in the world to become the best version of you. Mm. Mm. And so these skills help you to show up as the best version of you, regardless of circumstance. And so in that, the, your best is going to look different. Your best is not going to look the same on Monday as it does Friday. Your best is not going to look the same when you're when you're on top of the world and succeeding than when you are struggling to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Like your best is going to look different. And so I think what this allows for is it allows for ultimate mental flexibility and adaptability. And there's a lot of benefits we can get from that, both from a per performance perspective and also from a mental health perspective. Yeah, 100%. Like I, I talk about this a lot in terms of building a mental health toolkit, like, and you want to tr start trying some of these tools when you're not in a crisis, because when you do get into a crisis and you start trying to journal or meditate, it's not going to work. And you'll be like, fuck it. This shit sucks. And so you have to start trying this stuff when you're feeling okay, or you're actually feeling great. And you decide that these things might be beneficial to me because I know they might come up in my life. And so again, you're, you're equipping yourself with some, with some serious stuff. And like you said, becoming more adaptable to the absolutely unpredictable circumstances that life throws at you. And I love to use this analogy for what you just said, because I, I love what you just said. It's so important because a lot of times, especially in my time at the Yankees, I would have a lot of players come up to me when they're struggling really bad. Mm-hmm. And they would try to implement these strategies and they've never implemented them before. And they'd be like, more and they don't work. And I'm like, really? How long have you used them for? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, right. that'd be like telling me to like go out and, um, you know, hit a line drive when I've never done it before. <laughs> be like, yeah, chances of that are probably not great. And so having said that, it's, uh, have you, do you watch Formula One? I do not. Okay. Well, if you need a good show, uh, real Formula One fans might like, not like this because I have a few <laughs> friends that are like the Formula One show on Netflix is like all dramatized, which I believe, which is probably why I like it. Sure. Um, but it's a it's a great show, and it and the interesting thing is like these these cars are going around they're going around these like turns hundreds of miles an hour. I mean, like it's crazy, and it is such a game of like nanoseconds, yeah. and. What was interesting is I noticed they all do the same thing. They all pit stop. But the question is why? Like, why would you give up your position in a race to pit stop? And the reason is because it's a proactive approach to long-term performance. And so they don't wait till they burn out. They don't wait till their tires aren't gripping anymore. Because if their tires, again, remember the plane analogy? If their tires aren't gripping for one lap, okay. But over the course of 10, 20 laps, there becomes a big difference. We're talking about like tenths of a second that begin to add up and change the course of, uh, of the race. And so when they pit stop, they're not, again, it's typically not because there's something terribly wrong with the car. It's because they have, they have little, they have standards that when they hit them, it's time for a pit stop. So for, for instance, like maybe their tire pressure is a little low. They're not gripping as well as they'd like. They're slightly off, off on alignment. And so a lot of times we, like we look at mental skills as it's once I hit the wall, once I blow out a tire, once I burn out, then I will come ask for help with mental skills. Mm -hmm. But if you really look at the performers that are finishing in the top five, most of the time, or they're on the podium, 
they aren't waiting to burn out to ask for help. They aren't waiting to burn out to pit stop. They're actually taking a proactive approach to performance by noticing their signals that tell them that they need to pit stop so they can go refuel and then get back out on the track so that they can they can perform at a high level for a longer period of time. And so when we're thinking about mental health, when we're thinking about mental skills, the question is, what are your signals that tell you you need to pit stop? And when we can begin to breed that awareness of what that means for us, then we can start to develop a plan on how to refuel when we do pit stop. And it could be several different kinds of skills. It could be a mental health skill. It could be you know, going for a walk. It yeah. could be, you know, taking a couple of days off if you can. There's many different skills we can put in place based on what is required and what you need to refuel. But it is that proactive approach. And I love that. That's why I love what you said is because you're really speaking to that. You're speaking to this idea of we shouldn't wait till we really, really are struggling to implement these things because by that time, sometimes it can be too late. Right. And then it also speaks to the fact that you've already asked for help early, which is really important in terms of specifically going through a mental health crisis, right? You've already asked for help early. You've told the people in your life that you're feeling this way. You've had this, 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 and then you start to develop these tools and things get better, but crises still happen, right? And so then you're more likely to then ask for that really big help, like, I'm not feeling well. I have really dark thoughts. I can't get out of bed, things like that. And people are like, we understand. We've prepared because you told the people in your life. So we prepared this thing. You prepared this thing. And now we can handle this thing together. And that's like really the beautiful thing of like relationships, which is like probably the most important thing that we have. Oh, man. Yes. Amen to that. So, I mean, yeah, you're in a magical one about to create a family. So that's, I mean, that's the most beautiful thing that we can do really. Oh, so. man. I have to agree with you there. It's going to be a life-changing day. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. My, um, the guy I coach with, he just had his son. Today's the 23rd. He had it on the 19th of August. So our, our coaching season will be much different this year with his new baby around, but like, it's like, I, it's like, sometimes you don't have words to explain how amazing it is. Like I was on the phone with him and I said, this is unbelievable. And then I looked back, I was like, no, it's not unbelievable because I see both of you guys, you're going to be amazing parents. So it's really believable that you had a baby, but it's just like, holy cow. <laughs> uh, it's so true. Everybody, the coolest, I think one of the most fun parts about my pregnancy is hearing everybody else's stories mm. of like when they, when they welcomed their children into the world. Um, and I'm talking like fortune 500 CEOs, like grown men, you know, breaking down, telling me these stories, which I find to be such, I feel so lucky that they feel com comfortable enough to, you know, to do that. And it's been such a special experience to be able to hear everybody else's. And I, and I tell them, I'm like, I understand it up here in my brain, but my heart hasn't caught up yet. Mm -hmm. I know that when my time comes, it's one of those things that I don't think can be experienced through words, but it has to be experienced, you know, through the moment. So I'm like, I'm, I'm looking forward to having that moment for myself. Um, but I am anticipating, uh, I am anticipating it. That's for sure. Wow. It's going to be magical and God willing, it'll be healthy and everyone will be healthy. So, but <clears throat> on to uh, <laughs> some other stuff. Back on track. Um, <laughs> Speaking of getting back on track. Yeah, that's right. Stopping. Um, uh, you have like a slogan, basically it's on your website. It's, it's right behind you. It's elite by choice. And we spoke a little bit about it, like habits, daily choices, things like that. But I'd like to kind of dive into that, that phrase, like what it means, um, how you implement it with your clients, how you implement it day to day, elite by choice. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, when you really boil down, you know, performance and, and I'm using performance as a very broad term not just in sports, not just in business, not just like, you know, and end results I'm talking about as, as individuals, you know, whether it's in a relationship at home or um, with friends or just how you show up in the world is that when you really boil down performance, it all comes down to the choices that we make. And I believe that you become elite by choice, not by chance. You know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, that person's really lucky. 
um, you know, we see these end results of people, right? We see mm -hmm. these when, when they start to hit stardom, we see when they start to have these incredible results or they win a world series or they win a golden glove or, you know, these, an MVP award. And we go, oh my gosh, that person is just so talented. And while yes, talent does play a role, it really comes down to the choices that they make. And I've been in pro sports, you know, enough to know and be able to see this play out is that talent alone will not will not get you where you want to go. Um, there's a lot of players that were so talented that never made it. And it really didn't come down to talent at all. It came down to the choices that they made and where that trajectory took them. Hmm. And so when I look at becoming an elite version of ourselves, whatever that is for you, it really comes down to your choices. And so when I'm working with athletes or executives or individuals at any capacity, we really audit the choices that they're making and we really pay attention to how that how that plays in terms of alignment in the, the way that the direction they want to go in with their goals, with who they want to become, with their belief systems, because it really all comes down to this idea of choice and the choices that you make on a daily basis can either get you closer to where you want to be or it can also bring you further away. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's the very interesting thing about habits, right? We have these like tiny little habits, like you said, that don't really mean anything in the moment, but over time they stack up to have us have incremental gains or incremental losses, uh, you know, like that, like eating the ice cream or missing a workout one day or whatever the case may be, it feels fine that day. But over time, if you're trying to do something um, like striving for genuine excellence, then it adds up. And so choices, choices absolutely matter. And so it also relates back to what you said earlier, right? When, when everyone gets into like this same talent level, like major league baseball, everyone really has the same talent level. It's major league baseball. Everyone's unbelievable. They were the, they're basically the best player from where they came from, or they just grinded it out and just became that player. And so what sets everyone apart at that level is, is exactly what we were talking about the choices they make on day to day, their mindset, how they approach the game, definitely how they approach going over three or going over 10 or striking out four times in a game, which happens to the best players in the world. You know, how do they recover from that? What's their routine the next day? Do they stick to the same habits or do they change their swing completely? Do they tweak their mechanics or what are they doing? What are these choices that they're making that allow them to rebound from that stuff uh, quickly? Because in a 162 game season, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that happens in those games. Definitely. And, and like you said, you, you put it so, so well, it's just everything we do is a choice. The way that you speak to yourself, the perspective you choose to take, what you do or what you don't do, everything is a choice. And while we always have the power of choice, sometimes that can be forgotten. Hmm. We can give up our choice by pointing the blame, by looking at others, by saying, oh, this sucks. Woe is me. You know, that's, that is also a choice. And so when I look at people that are, you know, at the top of their game in any capacity, like I said, I'm not just talking sports or like, or, or uh, companies or anything like that, just in general, is that they all recognize that they do have a choice in the matter, even when there are things that are happening outside of their control, they can still choose how they look at it, they can still choose what they focus on, they can still choose what they're going to do about it now. And so when we look at having a really elite mindset, it really comes down to the choices that you make. And which is why I really believe that, you know, each and every one of us individually, we become elite by choice. Yeah, I love it. I'm all about it. It's great. <clears throat> and that, <clears throat> and then, so I'd like to kind of relay it a little bit because we've been talking about adults and business execs and elite performers, but youth sports, are, are incredibly popular. I coach youth sports. I, I think they're an amazing tool to a vehicle to learn life lessons, what's what sports mm -hmm. are. Um, and so it's because I try to teach some of my kids these things. And it's hard because well, they're just really complicated things. Um, and so I don't know if I have a question, it's not really well thought out. But like, would what would you what would you how would you say the things you say maybe to to kids that were younger to youth to anywhere somewhere between like 11 and 14 let's say um before you say anything i would first make sure that you are following the words that you would say mm. um 
I don't know about you, but as a kid, I had a really big problem when adults would tell me to do something and they wouldn't follow their own advice or they weren't willing to. And they just say, Oh, do as I say, not as I do. Kids aren't stupid. No. And, and I don't know about you, but I didn't really take any of the advice that people gave me that they weren't actually willing to take on their themselves. You know who I really respected? I respected the people that acted the way they wanted me to act. Mm. That represented the values they wanted me to represent. Yes. And that to me is 10 times more important than speaking, telling a child how to act. Because how can you speak to it if you can't even act it? Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I, there was this, uh, it reminds me almost like if we look at it from the opposite perspective, almost like of critics. And um, of course, his name is going to, oh, Deion Sanders said this. He said, how are you going to tell me what I can't do when you can't do what I can do? <laughs> yeah. I love that quote. But it's the same thing with kids. Like, how are you going to tell me what I should do when you can't even do what you're telling me I should do? And so number one, as I think is act in a, is not just act. What was the word I'm looking for? Model mm. the behavior. Um, number two is again, instead of telling somebody, like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I don't always like to be told what to do. Um, ask questions, right? There is so much power in a question, uh, questions direct our focus. And so let's say your child is struggling to focus on maybe the good of a situation or, um, or how this could benefit her or the, how there's an opportunity and the obstacle or anything like that is why don't you start reflecting questions back to them and have them answer them? Like we can lead to help them lead with curiosity. Well, like, oh my gosh, this sucks. Well, what if it didn't? Well, what it, what mom, what, like, what if I, what if I fail? What if you succeed? Mm. What would that look like? And so I think we could also use a lot, the power of opposites with kids, because I think that it offers this alternative perspective, alternative perspective that allows for more of a 360 view. And what the science tells us is that sometimes when we are so locked into our situation, we're so zoomed in, we have a hard time seeing the big picture. And when we can exercise zooming out, we actually can, our, our brain starts to actually relax a little bit. We become more rational thinkers and we can see things from a bigger perspective. You know what it's like? It's like trying to find your way on a map being two inches from it. It's really hard to see where you should go. But if you step back, you go, oh, I see what, what street I should be taking instead. And so we can help our, you know, our youth by doing this as well and have helping them by exercising maybe the opposite of maybe where initially their mind would go. Brilliant. Like embodying the behaviors, right? It's, I see this all the time. It's like, picture yourself at a youth baseball game, 13 year olds are playing. They're quite good, actually. Like it's, it's, yeah. I was like, I was not this good at 13. You guys are incredible. <laughs> I think you should coach yourselves. This is awesome. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to be a fan of this game because I love baseball and this is fantastic. And so you have a coach, coach on the other side of the team. He's using the common phrases that everyone uses. Calm down, relax. His shortstop makes an error. He grabs the bucket of baseballs and he yeets them into the dugout. And then comes back to where he was standing where there's no bucket. So now he has to stand instead of sit. And he's like, everyone calm down, relax. It's all good. That's the, the, the opposite of embodying any sort of behavior. You're, like you said, kids are not dumb. They're actually incredibly smart. The things they have to go through, the things that they're dealing with, all the changes that are happening, their friends, their everything. They're playing sports. They have school. They have this. They're just like incredible little people. And they're, and they're amazing, right? And so they see you acting this way. And then they hear you saying words that don't align with that. They're like, what? Because communication isn't about words. It right. isn't just about words, right? We communicate with our body language. We communicate with our facial expressions. We communicate with our actions. Mm -hmm. And so when, you're, when your words and your actions aren't in alignment, 
you're communicating two different things or what you're communicating is this is how I want you to calm down. Right. I want you to throw a fit and then I want you to calm down. Mm -hmm. You know, like what are the, so the question really becomes for adults listening is what are you communicating? Not just through your words, but through your actions, through your body language, through your facial expressions. Like, what are you communicating? Because you're, you're hundred percent right as a kid, what that's telling me is, oh, like I need to lose it. <laughs> or if, is that what you mean by calm down? Right. You know, I, 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 that would be a tough one for me. And so the question first is like, if for any adults, as I would say, how are you regulating your emotional state when emotions are high? And number two, is that how you want them to regulate their emotional state right. when their emotions are high? And if it's a no, then maybe we need to look in the mirror first. Exactly. Because then you really can't be surprised when your 13-year-old kid strikes out, which is going to happen one million times. It's like totally yes. fine. As he comes, comes into the dugout and he slams his helmet on the bench and everyone hears it. And there's a crack down the side of his helmet now. And his coach who threw the baseballs earlier gets mad at him for slamming his helmet. Mom and dad are mad because now they have to buy him a new helmet. And they're all wondering why this is happening when it's very clear that it's the adult who's embodying behaviors that are not really good, that that's where it's coming from. And if you can recognize that, if you're actually watching your son or your daughter play and you see their coach and his behaviors, then it might, you know, it might be time to get a new coach or have a conversation with that person or, or teach your, your child what to do outside of that. Cause they're going to be put in situations where, you know, their leader is not always the best and they still have to be able to manage those situations. That's really important. Um, so all of those things are, are, they're quite powerful lessons that sports can give you. And that's like a one inning of a baseball game. <laughs> well, and I, I love what you just said at the end. Cause I think that's so important that there are going to be people in our lives that tell us one thing, like whether it's a leader, whether it's a coach and then do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Now, as an individual, that doesn't mean that the responsibility of you is now off of the plate. No, you still, now this is where parents, this is where it comes into play. You may not agree with how the coach handled it, but you know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so you could lead up the chain of command. You could lead up. So even as a player, you can lead on what that looks like. You, you do not have to have your coach uh, show you an example for you to do it yourself. The reason why I say as adults, we should be looking at it that way is because you're going to lose a lot of respect. Your influence is going to go up when your words and actions are in alignment, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that as an individual, you still can't rise to the occasion. You still can't show up and be calm when it, when it requires it respond accordingly. So that's, I, I like what you said, because that, that's not an excuse to throw your helmet. Right. Right. And as a parent, I would say, okay, but I don't care what the coach does because the coach doesn't control your actions you control your actions. And so that's where I, that's where I would start too, because I do think that's a really good lesson in the fact that, yeah, that's not ideal, but how do you know, what helps you perform? Like what typically helps in moments like those mm -hmm. throwing your helmet or Hey, taking a deep breath. Right now, here's the thing. It might be, they might go, it feels really good to throw your helmet. Okay. Well, I, look, I'm not okay with your throwing your helmet because I'm not going to buy you a new one every time you do. <laughs> right. Okay. However, you can be pissed until you sit down on that bench. Mm -hmm. Put a boundary around your emotions. We all have them. It's okay to be upset. It's not okay to lose your cool. Right. So I like to describe it, the difference between a bonfire and a wildfire. Mm. Fire is not inherently bad. The only difference that makes it so is the boundary around it. With no boundary, Fire can burn down thousands of acres of forests, but with one, it could keep us warm, help us to cook. There's a lot of benefits to it. So right. I don't mind that you have emotions. You're going to have them, but we need to create a boundary so that it doesn't turn into a wildfire. It doesn't completely take you out of the game. And so I think that in understanding the boundaries of your emotions, meaning like when they're good and when they start to cross over and cause damage is important. And then we can create systems around that in terms of like, 
all right, I'm going to allow myself to be pissed until I put the bat, like, like put, till I put my bat away. I've had players hold on to that bat the entire inning. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. But the second that goes back, we're moving on. Right. Exactly. So I just love what you said, because I just think that's such an important point to make. Absolutely. It's the, uh, the coach doing what he did may be a reason, but it's not an excuse. Correct. And that's important to understand for everything that you do in life in or outside of sports. And so the second thing you said was listening or asking questions. Um, And I, I got the, I downloaded your, your, your powerful questions thing. And it's just like, so true though. Like listening, we, we kind of forget that listening is like the, one of the most powerful things, because if we actually just listen to someone, they tend to be able to figure it out themselves Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if you ask the right questions, if you have the right space, you know, if they feel safe, all those things uh, matter. But kids do the same thing. Like you ask the right question after a game, that's not coming from a place of, I, I spent all this money on private lessons and you went 0 for 4. How could you do that? Instead of, um, you know, did you have fun today? Or uh, what do you think that we can work on together next week? Because I think you're giving great effort out there and that's awesome. Yeah, things like you know that. What- you know, it's a really good question. Hey, do you want to talk about this right now? Also? Yes. Fantastic. Like it, it, it's, it doesn't have to be rocket science. Like we can also just simply ask and give people the autonomy mm. and go, Hey, do you want some space? I'll tell you right now. My, my mother knew this, that I didn't want to talk about soccer. I played, I played soccer like my whole life at a collegiate level. And I didn't want to, if I had a bad game, I did not want to talk about it for at least an hour. It was like an hour afterwards, my emotion, I was far enough away from it that I could finally speak to it before then I did not want to talk soccer and she knew that. And so sometimes she would bring it up and, but she would give me the autonomy to say, Hey, can we, can I get a little bit more time? And there was something so powerful about that because it always gave me the space to come back and it actually made me want to. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with also asking, like, you know, a lot of my players, um, I had this one player who is a pitcher and fantastic, like insanely talented has had a couple cups of coffee already. And I can see him having a very, very long, uh, career at the major league level. And I asked him one day, cause people would run up to him when he'd get yanked from a game and he's all pissed off. And I'd say, Hey, do you like to talk right after you get pulled out of a game? And he said, no, I'd actually rather like you let me come to you. I was like, great. That's awesome. And so I never went up to him when he was having a really bad, really bad game or he got yanked and suddenly he would come over He'd put his arm around me and be like, man, what happened out there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's talk about it. But there's something about giving people the autonomy to do that, that actually creates a, like you said, a really safe place for conversation to occur from a really honest perspective. And there's a lot more to be gained from that than just, you know, just letting somebody have it. And again, not saying that there's not a time and place to challenge somebody depends on the relationship you have and all of that. But, um, but I just also think that that's a great question to ask. It is. And it, and it all really boils down to the most important thing of creating honest, genuine relationships because nobody does anything great alone. We need each other. We're in this together. Um, a lot of sports are very individualized, of course, but there's always the team aspect of of doing great things with other people, whether that's your family, your teammates, your peers, your colleagues, your partner. Um, building those genuine relationships is is wickedly important, and it's based on how you listen and the questions you ask um, and the accountability you have for yourself and things of that nature. So, yeah, but I have uh, a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go. One is, uh, I know you work for the Yankees, but now you're, you're, you're running your own thing. You're, you're in full swing of being an entrepreneur. How is that going? <laughs> oh man, what a loaded question. No, yes, I'm kidding. I, I absolutely, <laughs> uh, it's great. Um, it's so funny though. I have to be honest. I never thought I would be running my own company. Hmm. I, um, I always thought that I would be at the Yankees. I'd be a lifer at the Yankees. I mean, that was my dream job. And do you know, you know, when you, you have this idea of what you want and then things start to evolve 
for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, from a personal perspective or otherwise, and your gut starts telling you different. And the thing I learned is that when you ignore that little voice, it gets louder. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of my time at the Yankees, my, I couldn't ignore it. And there was something pulling me to go on this new journey and this new adventure and this new challenge. And there were some areas of growth that I knew I would only get if I, you know, spread my wings and took this leap. And, um, it's led me to where I am now. And I will tell you, like I said, it was never my intention. Um, when I started my career in mental performance, but man, am I glad I got here. It's, uh, opened my eyes and allowed me to explore these other areas of mental, mental performance. I, I didn't really know were possible at the time. And, um, I'm, I'm loving it. And while it comes with its own set of challenges, um, like you and I were talking just before we were on here, entrepreneurship, it's a, it's a big puzzle to me. And I really like puzzles. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's something really fun about I should say fun's maybe the wrong word. Fun is part of it, but I'd say it's, there's something really uh, exhilarating about mm-hmm. having it all be like on you. Right. And not having a clear answer or path to success, but there's so many ways. So when you start to gain some traction, when you start to do well, there's something really addicting about that. So uh, I'm I'm absolutely loving it to sit for all that to say, I'm really, really, I'm really loving the journey that I've been on. Yeah. I, uh, I'm in alignment with like everything that you said. Like I was a professional wrestler for a long time and just in March I, I retired and I just kind of never thought that it would happen. <laughs> uh, my goal was to be in WWE. I was on my way there. And then I had some very monumental, personal, tragic things happen in my life that sent me down a different path. And then a couple of years later, I just like felt this thing in my stomach like you did. I was like, this is, I don't want to spend any more time doing this. I want to spend all of my time in this podcast with my nonprofit, with just trying to be the best me and and building this thing that I'm trying to build. So yeah, man, that's super cool. Uh, Entrepreneurship is, again, it's very wild. Oh, Uh, it is. But I, I like that, you know, because like you said, it's, it's, it's on me. And, and sometimes I feel overwhelmed by that responsibility, but most of the time I'm like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is it. Like I'm ready to roll with this. Like I'll take, I'll take this. This is mine. And whatever happens happens, but I know I'm going full throttle through the trenches all the way to wherever it goes. So yeah, really cool. I love that. I think, you know, uh, actually again, my, my mentor, uh, and obviously now very good friend, Justin Sue, I said this to me once he said, Lauren, when you use your values as your compass, you can never go wrong. And so I know that a lot of the things I'm doing are very in alignment with my values. And one of my biggest beliefs or my, one of my biggest fears I should say is, uh, regret. Mm. Um, I'm totally okay. Putting myself out there and and falling on my face, like then not that it would be fun, you know, and I don't set out to do that, but I would rather do that and go all in and say that I tried than having never tried at all and wish that I had. And so I think that's what really led me down, you know, to, which I guess pushed me to take that first leap, which was leaving the Yankees, which was very hard to do. I'm sure that's an incredible organization with the storied history, but I personally speaking, I'm very glad that you did because <laughs> you. I, um, I resonate with everything that you post, you tweet, your videos, your newsletter. Um, I utilize the information that you share free Good. of charge. So I wanted to just acknowledge you for that. Also taking time out of your day to speak to me while you're pregnant, uh, it's f- insane and awesome. So thank you so much. Happy uh, day. yeah. And I have one question, but before I ask you my final question, yeah. where can people get all of that stuff that I um, utilize all the time, which I'll put in the show notes and everything, but just for those listening or watching. Yeah. The best way to find kind of all the materials to actually go to my website, which is Lauren Johnson and co 
com, And that's all spelled out with Lauren Johnson, A-N-D-C-O.com. And you'll find all my social media handles there. Turns out there's a lot of Lauren Johnsons in this world. So uh, <laughs> when I got married, uh, I went from a very unique last name to a not very unique last name. And so uh, all my social handles are different. So going to my website will help you look at uh, all of those. And then also you can sign up for my newsletter there and uh, get notice of any of my upcoming events. Yeah, it's a great website, easy to navigate. So highly encourage going to it and checking all that stuff out. And so my my last question, I stole this question from one of my favorite podcasters named Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you ever oh, listened to his Tim show, Ferris. but he asked an awesome question. I, I, I think I might know the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. If you were to create a billboard, Lauren, and millions of people were to see that billboard every single day, what would you put on that billboard? Oh, oh. This is such a good question. Thanks, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, thanks, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> um, the reason why I'm hesitating with this one is because I probably what you think I would put on there is elite by choice or my phrase, you become elite by choice, not by chance, which is fine. But I actually think that I would put something else up mm. and I think because it's a reminder that you will never outperform your own belief about you. Ooh. Because I think a lot of times our beliefs that we carry, sometimes we're unaware of. And so I would want people to reflect on, huh, if I'm not performing where I'm at, how do my beliefs need to shift? So I think that's what I would put on there. Beautiful. I would throw it on a billboard right now if I could. <laughs> but yeah. Great question. Thank you. <laughs> Again, I cannot take credit for it, but I will give credit to Tim Ferriss because I listen to his podcast regularly. But yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for sharing your insight and your wisdom. And yeah, thank you. Oh my gosh. Thanks again for having me. This has been incredible. Awesome. I really appreciate that. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This is episode 114 of Jackson Talks, everybody. Uh, share this with a friend, like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. But more importantly, have a great day wherever you're watching or listening to this and please take good care of yourselves. Cheers.